It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the BBC Country Farm magazine podcast with me, Fergus Collins. This episode, I meet up with TV naturalist and one-show regular Mike Dilger to go birding near his home on the edge of Chew Valley Lake to see what we can see in one hour, just 10 miles south of Bristol. Here's how we got on. At the moment, Fergus, we're walking through uh, Bristol Waters land. Are we allowed? Slightly on the sneaky. Right, okay, but everybody comes through here. Uh, all the villagers know it as a kind of route. The, the footpath starts about 30 yards away from us, but so by the time I finish the sentence, we will be on the public We'll be footpath. legit. We will be legit. But just off to the right on this beautiful autumnal day with the sun shining and the tea, trees turning, you can see a huge big bank, and that was the dam that was built when Chuvay Lake was formed. So basically we all know reservoirs, we need water for our homes, businesses, um, agriculture. So they built that massive bank off to our right and dammed the water of the Chew Valley behind. River Chew, yeah. Of the River Chew, of course, yes. So um, that's that's where we're headed at the moment to go and see what kind of winter wildfowl and ducks we can see out on the water. But interestingly enough, I live about 500 yards away from the lake and I'm in an ex-council house semi-detached property And that was one of the houses that was built to house the people who lost their homes when Chew Valley Reservoir was formed because a little tiny hamlet went underwater and the people who lost their homes lived where I live now. So uh, the lake kind of casts large over this whole area, or the reservoir over this whole area, really. Come here. Come on. Come on, Bramble. Good boy. Good boy. Sit. Heel. Sit. Down. Wait. Wait. Okay. So Mike there's talking to his dog Bramble, not me. uh, (laughs) Although he did feed me a very nice lunch earlier. Um, How long have you had Bramble, Mike? Um, We've had Bramble for about a year and a half, actually, Fergus. We got him as a puppy. He's a border collie. He's a boy. And uh, we picked him up from a lovely farm in the Yorkshire Dales. Uh, my wife, now Christina, found him on this website. And um, really importantly, we checked out both parents. I see. Uh, yeah. Pedigree Border Collies, really wonderful temperament. And, and very luckily, we've got a dog that follows his parents. He's got a great temperament. And um, <laughs> he needs so a lot of walking. So yeah. we, I kind of, when I'm at home, when I'm not away filming on the one show or Inside Out... I'd probably spend an hour and a half walking in a day. So for a naturalist, a nature lover, who spends a lot of time outdoor, outdoors, you've now got a companion. 
Does that work for you? It does, actually, because um, I still get my natural history fix where I can kind of stand still and not be bothered by a dog running around my heels and, and enjoy the birds in the trees or spend some time looking for some rare mammal. Um, but uh, what, I, what I really like about walking the dog is it forces me out, come rain or shine. And um, I like my beer, I like my wine, I like the occasional mince pie. So walking the dog at least an hour and a half a day helps me keep myself fit. We're, at the moment we're walking uphill, which is why I'm signing slightly out <laughs> yeah. of breath. I'm luckily not speaking. <laughs> but, you know, I burn the calories. But for me, the other joy as well is because when Christina, my wife, suggested we buy a dog, I thought, I'm too busy. You know, I'm a kind of TV presenter. I'm, 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 I've got no time for a dog. But you know what? I've got so much more time than I thought I had. Less time messing around on the telephone, watching slightly less television, um, and out walking the dog. And what I like is I've got three or four walks I walk regularly. And because I see them every week of the year, I see those subtle changes. And it's beautiful. I get that, I know these walks intimately. So a new bird crops up for my walk. That's a red letter day. Yeah. But the great thing about natural history is there's always something interesting to find. I'm walking up this lovely avenue at the moment with some um, few oak trees, a few lime trees, and then we'll break over just to our right to the lake that's just really behind that bank of trees to our right, which is probably only 150 yards away. Fantastic. And this is a good time to visit the lake. We're going to see some the beginning of the, the winter rush, as it were. Well, where are we now? Kind of uh, late October. It's a time of change, Fergus. So at the moment, um, all our summer migrants will have gone. And... Um, uh, hopefully, uh, Chuvara Lake's internationally important, particularly for things like Gadwall and Shoveler. So all the wildfowl, hopefully, will have arrived. And, of course, they'll have gone through their molt. These are birds that haven't bred here. They've kind of probably bred in northern Europe, right the way across to kind of Arctic Russia, really. But they come here for the winter, and they're looking absolutely spanking in their breeding plumage. It's, so, it's ridiculous saying breeding plumage in October, but they're looking great at the moment. And quite often they'll pair up here, spend the winter here, then go back to the breeding grounds and elsewhere in northern Europe. Ooh, so they have a sort of romantic winter together. They do. And then they, they uh, fly off to the, do the hard work come spring. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you can see some great behaviour, for example, seeing Shoveler displaying here, Perfect seeing Goldeneye. Displaying now. Yeah, hopefully just about kicking yeah. off. They do this little yin and yang thing in, yeah. in circles. They kind of go almost beak to tail, going round and round. And Goldeneye are really good here, particularly by the northern end of the reservoir where we are. And the drakes throw their head back and, and do this kind of amazing, dis ostentatious display. And that's all done in the winter. Everyone thinks that happens in spring, but wildfowl Winter, WW. You've got to think winter, you've got to think wildfowl. Perfect. So is this one of the best views of Chew Valley Lake, would you say? This, I mean, there are, what would you say, there's probably two or 3,000 birds out there, maybe a few more than that? Um, we're at the southern end yeah. of the reservoir. Um, they call it um, Harriet's Bridge. Harriet's Bridge. And, um, so we're right yeah. by a road, obviously. We're right <laughs> by a, a really busy road, so we'll hear the cars ripping past at 50 miles an hour. But we don't care because we're looking the other way. Um, it's a cracking spot. Uh, close by us, we've got lots of Canada geese and mallards, um, quite a few black-headed gulls, because people come here to feed the birds as well. So you get the birds that like the free handouts. Right. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's really a tame close. fringe here, then. We've got the, yeah. <laughs> but a not-so-tame fringe really close, because just beyond the black-headed gulls over there, there's a fantastic drake shoveler. Uh -huh. um, wonderful bird. You can see them upending at the moment. There's about three or four drake shoveler. Yeah. And... Um, 
True Valley Lake is internationally important for its overwintering shoveler. It's a triple SI, Site of Special Scientific Interest, for particularly shoveler and gadwall because it has greater than 1% of the entire British wintering population. So what, what have they come here for? Because they've got the, the shoveler particularly has a massive shoveling beak, which is why it gets its name, but what, what, what is it here for? What, um, what is it eating? Well, they're eating little tiny freshwater snails, they're eating little tiny shrimps, kind of daphnia, the water flea. Mm. They're probably uh, taking on board some kind of algae as well. And, of course, it's being, it's being sieved with this astonishing bill that has all these kind of almost like lamellae, like... Um, but look, just over foot of us, Fergus, so, so you see a drake gadwall. Gadwall, yes. They're lovely. And the thing about Gadwell is, from it's a, a very distance, subtle bird. Yeah. Perfect description. It's a subtle, it's a bird as bird. Yeah. From a distance, it looks like a grey bird with a black bum. But um, you look closely on that kind of neck and shoulder, it's got vermiculations. Vermiculations. Kind of bars oh. and stripes and wavy zigzag patterns. It has, absolutely it has. beautiful birds. At the moment, I think we're slightly twixt cup and lip. The, the numbers have started to come up. There's a few potched out there mm. with that kind of beautiful chestnut brown head. Another diving duck. And they'll have bred, for example, in the Baltic States, Germany, Lithuania, Latvia, and even over as far as Arctic Russia. And look right down here, there's a teal. Can you see the oh, tail? Yeah, yeah. Yes. The smallest, right, pinkiest bird. Yeah, lovely. Chestnut brown head, green eye stripe. But for me, the best bit is that vanilla bottom. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. got a bottom that looks like it's been dipped in vanilla ice cream. <laughs> and um, these, are, these are breeding in Arctic Russia, but it's coming gone. all the way here to spend the winter here because we get nice, cold, wet, mild winters, not like the freezing Arctic Russia. Well, we're very lucky, actually, because I normally see them at such long distance, you can't see even the little flecks of green on their... I have to say, actually, I'm really, really impressed with the numbers of wildfowl, because it hasn't got properly cold yet. Uh, there, there must be several thousand here, then. Yeah, yeah. Coot, and Coot. a lot of coot. Yeah. Chew <laughs> Valley's famous <laughs> for its coot. This is a, the haunt of coots. There's some cormorants out there on a... Yeah, on oh. a sort of sandbar or if a mud bar. If you look at those cormorants, um, if you scan left to right, folks, there's one, two, three, four, oh, five, creeps. five cormorants, three, five or six Canada geese. Can you see the widgeon down the bottom? Yes. Oh, hold on. What's that taking off there? Those creeps, no? Oh, I word, you spotted goosander. Goosanders. <laughs> yeah. Goosanders. Yeah. Fantastic, call, Fergus. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, goosander. First goosander this winter for yeah. me. That was brilliant. Excellent. I just looked straight over the goosander. I, I thought to that's point what you were looking at. <laughs> widgeon. Ah, widgeon. Okay, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of direct widgeon, but I have to say goosander totally edges that widgeon. That's, that's, uh, that's not bad. They look almost like mini divers, don't they, I, when I, they fly I, off? I just assumed they were going to be grebes once I'd focused on them. But yes, um, well, that kind of turbocharged grebe or a small yeah. diver. There is a grebe out the back, isn't there? I'm actually blown away by the number of shoveler here. I mean, yeah. it really is a very, very dapper duck. And the great thing is, of course, they're, they're in full breeding plumage at the moment, Fergus, and they'll be displaying here, because they actually pair up. They display and pair up on their wintering grounds, choose their partner, when they're all uh, kind of condensed together on a lake like this, or reservoir like this, and then they'll go back to, for example, Scandinavia, Denmark, Norway, Finland, even Iceland, and that's where they'll breed. So they do their mating at Chew Valley Lake, they do their pairing up at Chew Valley Lake, and then they're breeding... Elsewhere, it's so. a, it's a, it's a, it's the mating game here, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, now the green. cars, yeah, now the yeah. cars have stopped. There's a lovely sort of chuntering and chittering and <laughs> yes. uh, of the actual birds and some black-headed girls here. 
You've lost their black heads, though, haven't they? And they have. Which, why do they lose them in winter? That's I odd, that's yeah, I suppose Lots of energy goes into making a black head. In the, uh, I always think black-headed god is a really poor name because actually yeah. we both know it's not really black. It's kind of plain chocolate colour. Yeah. And it's not really a head, it's a hood. So I think it should be called Chocolate Hooded Gull. Okay, well, we'll call it that from now on and see if it <laughs> There's lots of not-so-chocolate-hooded lots of not so gulls just really close to us yeah, here, yeah, actually. They're, they're just looking a bit unhappy. But... I mean, there's a lot of little grebe out there as well. Yes, there's I can a see line, one. There's a yeah. line of little grebes out there. Yeah, they're like little dumplings. Yeah, they are, they're wonderful. And here's this. another amazing fact for you. That is probably one of the world's most aquatic birds. They never go on dry land. Really? So the, feet, the, so the, the adults will, will make a nest that floats on the water. Uh, if any of your podcast listeners have ever said, say to me, they've, they've ever seen um, a little grebe on dry land, I'll say, you're making it up. Because they never, ever go on dry land. Really? They spend their whole lives on the water. It's funny. Look, that... look over here. Oh, that's a great white It's egret. a great white egret. <laughs> look at that. Um, a, we've got two herons in one shot. Yeah. If we lift our binoculars, we've got a heron behind and a great white egret in the foreground. But great white egrets are now breeding on the Somerset levels. But still, I, I think that's possibly the first time I've seen great white egret on, on oh, Chief Animation, yeah. my local pan. Isn't that amazing? That's it, we came out here thinking, well, it'd be an average day, but that's a couple of decent things that... Uh... Gadwall, shoveler, and then you know uh, what is still a goosander, yeah. and what is still a, a very rare bird in Britain, a great white egret, yeah. just a hundred and pill just yeah. behind it with that lovely green to its eye. And there's a few more hens just on the mud just down here. So I think Fergus already we've probably seen easily 35 species. Yeah, that's in about 10 minutes. So how far are we from Bristol here? For, for, yeah, Bristol's a city of 600,000 people. Yeah, we're so, probably about, um, about this, from here, this point, about 10 miles south of, of Bristol. So this is half an hour's journey, Max, to get yes. to a wild spot where you can see 35, 40... But in a day, you could probably pick up 40, 45, 50 species of birds here. I, I would think in the summer, yeah. if you were to wander around in the summer, because they have reed warblers here, sedge warblers, reed buntings, occasional cuckoos, um, obviously swallows and sand martins and swifts and house martins i would think you could probably wander around in the summer and see 80 or 90 species very close to tuvo lake and certainly in the winter i'd be very disappointed you didn't see 50 species common gull common see gulls. the common gull there just behind yeah, yeah, yeah. the black-headed gull and there's a common gull so there we go there's another species that makes it probably 36 so see the little mirrors in its, in its primaries? So it's got black primaries with little mirrors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it looks... It, it's a nice, kinder face. It's, it's got a, a rounder head than the black-headed gull. They're not very common, though, are they? Is that no, right? no, I would call them uncommon gulls uncommon here. Gulls I never good. see them in the summer. It's more of a kind of west, westland and upland gull. Yeah. But in the winter, you get small numbers coming down here. There's, a, there's another one over there as well, actually. There's a couple of common gulls. That's, that's nice as well. So we're renaming gulls today. There's, there's, a, there's, an un, there's another one, common gull. gull. So there's two or three there. Chocolate hooded gull there as well. <laughs> um, yes, indeed. And that's all we have time for this week. Thank you so much for listening. And sorry about the traffic noise. Sometimes the best birding sites aren't always the most peaceful. But it was a genuine experience and we saw some wonderful things. And I hope you enjoyed it. And thank you too to Mike for giving us his time and expertise. You can find more of our podcasts and other information about the countryside on our website, countryfile.com, 
or by downloading the app Acast and searching for Country Farm Magazine. Goodbye.